Today on Hardwired. When we praise and worship God, it sends repercussions in the spiritual world out way beyond these four walls. We need to know that it says of Jesus, when he comes, he would give the garment of praise in the place of the spirit of heaviness. Praise is a weapon. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, the founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Maybe you've noticed that our culture is pretty messed up these days, which makes people feel anxious and filled with questions. They want peace, but have a hard time finding it or making it last. Well, Pastor Jeff is going to share in the message today about how you can finally be filled with hope, security, and most importantly, that peace you're looking for. We know that you're going to enjoy the message, but you can also listen to it again or any of the messages anytime you would like at our website, hardwired.org. Let's get right to the message. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up today on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're wrapping up our series that I've called The Praise Zone. And this time, we're going to talk about something so important, and that is the way that praise helps us win spiritual battles. As a matter of fact, I'm calling this worship and your warfare, because learning how to praise God, even when the enemy is breathing right down your neck, is one way to chase the devil off. So we're going to get into the Bible today. The Word's going to speak to us, and we're going to learn about the incredible weapon that praise really is. So grab your Bible, something to write with, and let's go right into the message, Praise, the Key to Our Warfare. Now, this is a very, very powerful story, and it's something that has really spoken to me. In our text, the situation for Judah was very serious, extreme, and critical. They have this vast army. It's a confederacy of foreign armies who have decided to come together, join hands to attack Judah. It happened suddenly. Nobody saw it coming. It was unexpected. There were no warning signs. There were no indicators. They just woke up one day and there was a vast attack arrayed against them. And King Jehoshaphat and all of Judah in the natural had their backs against the wall. There wasn't any way out if God did not intervene because they were outnumbered, they were outweaponized, they were out everything. This was three huge armies that had joined together to come up against little Judah. If God did not help them, they did not have a chance. Now, I want to stop a minute and clarify, as I often do, that these Old Testament stories are physical pictures of spiritual truth. When you see the Moabites, Ammonites, Hittites, Jebusites, Philistines, all these armies in the Old Testament, these peoples that were the enemies of Israel, anytime you see them, they are physical pictures of spiritual enemies that we in the New Covenant face. It's just a physical picture of spiritual truth. They are types and shadows of what we in the New Testament would experience in the spiritual arena. We have enemies, but they are not visible. They are invisible. They are demon spirits. They are orchestrated and sent out by the enemy of our soul. I call them satanic assignments. 
They are, as Paul said in Ephesians 6, they are rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. They are hierarchical. There is a satanic hierarchy and Satan's forces are leveled against the church. And so these Old Testament enemies of Israel were types and shadows of what we experience with the invisible enemies of God. Now, Paul told us that these stories are written down, these Old Testament stories, so that we in the New Testament, upon whom the ends of the ages have come, will look at them and learn from them. That's why I never say the Old Testament's irrelevant. It's the Word of God. It's hugely relevant. And these stories are so that we can read them and say, oh, well, what did Jehoshaphat learn? How did they overcome? Because the same way he did it, we will do it. And so you read this story, and it's a powerful story. It's an amazing story, as you're going to see in just a moment. But let's just begin with this. As Jehoshaphat experienced, it sometimes seems as if a huge confederacy of various enemies have joined together for war against the true bride of Christ. We wake up in one day in Christian America, and it seems in almost no time now we wake up in non-Christian America. We're now seeing the court systems rule against the consciences of Christians. It's no longer a friendly environment. It's no longer popular to be a Christian. It seems as if a bee's nest has been kicked and there is a swarm of various enemies that are now coming against the church. And my burden and my passion as a pastor is to teach the people of God how to do warfare successfully and not stand there and just get beat up. One day the skies were clear and blue when Jehoshaphat woke up and suddenly a storm of opposition formed on the horizon. And next thing he knows, his kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, God's people, God's call chosen people have been targeted, are in the crosshairs of a vast army. In desperation, he fell on his knees as we also do when we are surrounded with so many enemies. And he cried out to God for help. And as we're about to see with Jehoshaphat, that Judah and this king discovered that praise is one of the great weapons in our arsenal against Satan. You know, we talk about the armor of God all the time in Ephesians 6, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, gospel sandals, sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. Of those six pieces of armor, only one is offensive. The rest are defensive. The sword of the spirit is offensive. And we tend to think, well, we've got one offensive weapon. That is one weapon by which and through which we attack the enemy like Jesus did in the wilderness. And the rest of them are defensive. But there is one more offensive weapon in the arsenal of the believer. And it is praise and worship. When we praise and worship God, it sends repercussions in the spiritual world out way beyond these four walls. We need to know that it says of Jesus, when he comes, he would give the garment of praise in the place of the spirit of heaviness. Praise is a weapon. And I think so often we think, well, I sang a few hymns, so I did my part. No, I love hymns. And I thank God for hymns and they're great, great songs. But it's one thing to sing three hymns about God and sit down and listen to a sermonette to Christianettes who then go out in the world and get defeated. 
It's another thing when you sing worship songs and praise songs to him, knowing that when you praise and worship God and enter his gates with genuine thanksgiving and his courts with praise, it literally undoes the enemy and it drives him out. There was a great, great Christian song that came out years ago. It was sung by Russ Taff. It was called Praise the Lord. And it describes the struggle that we experience when praising God is not easy. You know, we talk about tough love. But I'm gonna tell you, there's a thing called tough praise. You know, tough love is when you love someone tough, that is, they're really not doing right and they have not listened to a correction and they have not listened to reproof. And so finally, you have to take strong steps to wake them up. But also there is tough praise. Tough praise is praise when you don't feel like praising. Tough praise is the sacrifice of praise. Tough praise is when you're in a valley so deep you can't imagine God reaching you in that valley. Tough praise is when you're up against a mountain that seems way too high for you to scale. Tough praise is when not an atom of your being feels like praising God, but you make up your mind, I'm going to praise the Lord because the Bible tells me to praise the Lord. That's tough praise, the sacrifice of praise. And that's what this song is talking about. And I love these lyrics, listen to this. When you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams and your hope's been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears, don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. And then he goes on, listen to this. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. Now here's the best part. I'm probably gonna read it twice. Are you ready? For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him. Oh, that's good stuff. I am gonna read it again. I want you to catch this. For the chains that seem to bind you, your doubts, your fears, your unforgiveness, your finances, your marriage, your children that have gone into rebellion, the chains that seem to bind you only serve to remind you that they are going to drop powerless behind you when you praise him. Man, that's good. I could really preach from that song and go home. The Psalms teach us the very same thing. The Prince of Praisers, David, wrote that praise and worship literally bring evil powers into bondage. How would you like to bind the devil that once bound you? I'm gonna ask that again. How would you like to bind the devil who once bound you? That's what praise does. Satan's always giving us hell. Why not give hell heaven? Hell hates heaven, and I want to tell you, hell hates praise. Listen to what the psalmist wrote, Psalms 149, 6 through 9. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand to bind their kings, the kings of your enemy, with chains 
and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written. Did you catch that? That when we praise God, when we are under assault, it brings judgment on our enemy and it binds our enemy with chains. Instead of him binding you, you bind him. This is the power of praise. It's a weapon. It's a weapon. It's not just something we do. Praise and worship services are not just a time to be blessed, though it does bless me to worship and praise God. I love it. I love doing it. I love worshiping God. I began worshiping God when I was 18 years old, and worshiping God has defined much of my spiritual life. It was in worshiping God that God called me. It was in worshiping God that I came to know the Lord in many different ways. It was in worshiping God that a conduit seemed to be built between me and glory and his power came down upon me and I experienced his love when I worshiped God because he lives in the praises of his people. Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment, but first I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program, but don't worry. You can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all of the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. Or call 877-884-3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. But praise and worship are more than just a time to, for the church to come together and kind of joy pop on Jesus. It's the time to do warfare on behalf of those who are bound and oppressed by the devil. So praise and worship does. See, when we come together, if we come together with our minds set to praise God, I guarantee you hell gets nervous about that because there is a fourth dimension and Jesus moved in that fourth dimension. When Jesus came on the scene, when he came out of the wilderness in the power of the spirit, it says that immediately he encountered people out of whom demons spoke. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible until then. What did Jesus do? Jesus invaded the fourth dimension. It's the fourth dimension, the spiritual dimension, the unseen world, wherein demons live and operate and wherein angels live and function and do warfare. It's where the cherubim and the seraphim dwell. It is where real warfare takes place. We are not battling flesh and blood. We are up against spiritual rulers of darkness and wickedness in heavenly places. There is an unseen world as real as the chair you're sitting in. And when we get together and praise and worship God, it sends shockwaves through that fourth dimension goes way beyond these walls and satanic assignments are canceled according to that psalm. The enemy is put in chains. His nobles are put in fetters of iron and judgment is executed on him. I want us to be aware when we come to church here and we get ready to praise God that we're not just coming in to be blessed, but we're coming in to do warfare. And when we really praise him and really worship him, get ready because something is going to happen every time. Now, Jehoshaphat and the people made some great decisions. And I wanna to talk to you about 
four things that they did right after they inquired of the Lord and after they called for a fast. Everything from then on went into the realm of praise and worship. The first thing they did is they made the decision to praise. Praise is a decision. I forget the stat, but it's like once you do something X number of times, it becomes a real habit. And you can have a bad habit or a good habit. Once you begin to praise and worship God, even when you don't feel like it, it's an acquired taste. And once you begin to do it and stay with it, then it becomes a holy habit that serves you the rest of your life. They made the decision to praise. We read that as the enemy steadily advanced, a prophet stood up among them and spoke to Jehoshaphat and all the people. And what he had to say was amazing. Here they are, they're faced with this huge, they're looking at a wipeout. And this prophet stands up and the first thing he did was encourage them. And these words that I'm about to read, I want them to encourage you because remember, these were written for our learning and for our encouragement and our edification. So if a swarm of enemies have come against you, I want you to listen to this. Thus says the Lord to you, the prophet told them, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not have to fight this battle. How can that be? Why would that be? Well, here's why. Jesus said it, inasmuch as you've done it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. And when the enemy puts you in the crosshairs and comes against you and attacks you and your home and your livelihood and your children and your marriage, he has also attacked Jesus. And Jesus says, you have attacked the apple of my eye. And if we respond the way the Bible is about to show us to respond, then God says the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not have to fight this battle. And when we praise him, we release God into our battle and he fights for us. So can you say with me, the battle is the Lord's. He will fight for me. I am not alone. Give God praise today. That's good. Amen. After encouraging them, he instructed them. He said, take up your positions. Get in the position of faith. Get your armor on. And then Paul wrote it, having done all, stand. Stand girded in the armor of God and stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Now, I would have liked it until that last sentence. I would have been encouraged until that last sentence. Because what did God say? He said, go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Now, as soon as he said that, I would have said, say what? Because I don't think you understand, there is a vast, huge army that has greatly outnumbered us, and you're telling us to go face them tomorrow? But the good news was, God said, the Lord will be with you. Folks, I gotta tell you, you and Jesus are a majority. It doesn't matter how large the force is that is coming against you, because if God be for you, who can be against you? What can be against you? He will always give you the victory. Seriously. Jehoshaphat and the people responded 
to this powerful encouragement with praise and with worship. It says, Jehoshaphat bowed his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down to worship before the Lord. But they didn't stop there because then some Levites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So you have them worshiping God and praising God. And when were they doing this? When a deadly army was breathing down their neck, that's when they did this. Faced with an impossible situation, Jehoshaphat and the people didn't complain. They didn't argue. They didn't feel sorry for themselves. They did not throw a pity party. I have thrown many pity parties in my life. And you know what? God has never once RSVP'd. God has never once shown up. Even when I just thought he should. You know, Lord, I'm playing a violin. Where are you? I know you agree with me. But what did God say? When you're ready to get over it, I'm ready to come in and give you the victory, but quit feeling sorry for yourself. There is a greater than he that lives in you than he that is in the world. Stand up and be a man of God and overcome. They cried out to the Lord and the Lord answered them with a promise of deliverance. They received God's promise and they made the decision to praise the Lord. And now I see a second thing, the direction of praise. There was a direction, not just a decision, but a direction. Jehoshaphat prayed these words to the Lord. And I love this verse. He was very honest here. He said, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Lord, this attack is bigger than me. This enemy is stronger than me. I don't know what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Get your eyes upon him. Jehoshaphat said, we're undone if you don't come through, but we're not gonna focus on the problem and we're not gonna look within, which is a sign of insecurity. We're not gonna look and see what we can't do and we're not gonna focus on how bad the enemy is. We're gonna focus on the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What does it say about Jesus? When the cross of agony and pain that he dreaded, that he prayed for another way out of, when it was looming at him, when he was just about there, he looked beyond the cross to the joy that was set before him. After that cross, I'm gonna be resurrected. After that cross, I'm gonna start redeeming people right and left. When I shed my blood, it's going to destroy the enemy. It's gonna defang him. I'm gonna get the power of death, hell and the grave out of his hand. On the other side of that cross, there's gonna be hope for tomorrow because he lives. I'm looking beyond the cross to the joy set before me. And what's the joy set before us? His name is J-E-S-U-S. -S. And when you're in a battle, don't look around and don't look within, but look up. They said, God, these armies are all around us. We're outnumbered, but we're not looking around. We're not looking within. We are looking up. And then they put their money where their mouth was. And here's where this story gets crazy in a neat way. Jehoshaphat 
in verse 21, appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him. Now, I want you to notice, man, who do you appoint? M-E, the man won't even say it. (laughs) He appointed men. He didn't turn to the sisters and say, hey, get out here and sing, though we love for the sisters to sing. He wanted the men to stand up. He wanted the men to go against the enemy. But these men were used to having a sword and a spear and a bow and a shield. But that is not what he told them to do. He said, put down your weapons of warfare. This is a spiritual battle. I want you to grab a lute, a harp, a stringed instrument, and get ready to sing. And I'm putting you in the front of the army. Now, either he knew something or he was crazy. We appreciate you listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Every program we do has one main thing in mind, and that's to share the hope and good news of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear this message and hardwire the teaching into their daily life. That's what this ministry is all about. So if you've been encouraged by the message, we would love to hear about it. Pick up your phone and give us a call at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or go online to our website at hardwired.org. And be sure to bookmark the web address to your favorites folder so you can come back often. Also, would you consider getting on board with us as a faithful ministry partner? Your valuable contribution makes a big difference to us in helping to get the message of the gospel out through this program to people everywhere. Your generosity along with this ministry is reaching people in a way that you may never have the ability to do on your own. So jump on board as a hardwired partner by calling us at 877-884-3111 or go online to hardwired.org, 877-884-3111 or hardwired.org. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so very, very much. Have a great rest of the day and thanks for listening to Hardwired. Hardwired.